Our Old Testament lesson this morning is going to come from Genesis. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. And then we're going to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. So I invite you to follow along. You can find it printed in your order of worship. You can find it in your own personal Bible or in your pew Bible. You can also follow along with us on our interactive bulletin. Reading from Genesis chapter 1 and then Genesis chapter 3. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, let us, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created a humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then skipping to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, as we gather, what is your identity? How, how do you define yourself? What is it that is at the core of your being that defines who you are? What is your identity? And of course, we're in church. And we're all Christians, so of course we're going to say Jesus, because that's the way that works. It reminds me of the story about the children's minister who one Sunday asked the kids and said, okay, kids, I need to ask you a question during the children's moment. Asked the kids, said, okay, I need to ask you a question. What is it that lives in a tree and has real puffy cheeks and eats acorns? When the kid raised their hands and said, that sounds like a squirrel, but the answer's got to be Jesus. So, of course, you're going to say your identity is found in Jesus because you're in church and you've got to. Okay, let's set that off to the side for a little bit. What's your identity found in? And let me kind of maybe put it this way. Where do your anxieties come from? What is it in your life that casts a shadow over your life. By the way, I don't necessarily mean the shadow is necessarily a bad thing. But what is it in your life that's always in the background? What is it in your life that really affects you? For instance, maybe your identity is in your job. And when your job's going well, you're in a good place. And maybe your worth comes from your job. Maybe your job is your identity above all else. And that's where you find your greatest sense of worth. Maybe your identity is in your family. Maybe your identity is, is in your children or your grandchildren and their performance. And when they're not doing well, you're not doing well. Or maybe your identity is found in your parents. And, and that's where you get your identity from. Maybe, it's, maybe your identity is found in your house. Maybe it's found in your yard. Maybe you're one of those folks who like to work on your yard. I am not one of those guys. But maybe you're one of those guys. 
that when your yard looks just right, man, you are good. Maybe it's in your golf game. Maybe it's in your hunting. Maybe it's in your 401k. And when it's doing good, you're doing good. And when it's doing bad, you're not doing too good. What is it that really and truly defines you? What is it at the end of the day that truly defines the actions you take? What is it that motivates you to do what you do, to live like you live, to be who you are? That is our identity. It's that thing that is our singular or one of our singular motivating factors. For me, part of my identity, one of the greatest parts of my identity is that I'm a people pleaser. I need people to like me. And if people don't like me, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm being very honest. If someone's mad at me, I can't sleep. I can't eat. My spirit is unsettled when folks don't like me. So many decisions that I have make and I do make often are made out of that impulse to be liked. By the way, that's not good. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it is. It is. It's part of my identity. It's something I struggle with. What's your identity? What makes you who you are? What, what motivates you to do the things that you do? What is that shadow? What is that motivating factor? By the way, it doesn't always have to be bad. I'm not saying it's got to be a bad thing. I'm just saying we all got something. In the life of the church, August is always kind of our new year. It's when everything kind of gets back into, kind of, kind of, we fall back into our habits. You know, Wednesday Night Live is starting back up. Youth ministry is doing some great things. Student ministry is doing some great things. Children's ministry is like, we started new Sunday school classes today. Like, August is when life and the life of the church really gets back to normal. Everything starts clicking. New things are born. It's, it's kind of our new year. So every year, every year, I promise you, every year, every August, one of the first things I ask myself is when I begin to work on August sermons, is this. As your shepherd, what do I want for you this year? As your pastor, as your shepherd, what is it that I want for you in this year? What is it that I want for you? And, and, and y'all, it's so easy. It's so easy to default back to actions. So what do I want for you? I want you in church every Sunday. I do. I want you here every Sunday. I said before, a preacher's ideal Sunday morning is 73 and overcast. Because that way it's not too pretty to skip church for to go do something else. But yet it's nice enough where you don't want to stay inside. Preachers love 73 and overcast. It's our perfect day. I want you in church every Sunday. I do. I want you to tithe. I want you to give abundantly so that our church can not just meet its financial responsibilities, but can be a blessing to so many other places. I want you in Sunday school. We had 
Last Sunday, we had 582 in worship. We had 262 in Sunday school. I want more folks in Sunday school than I want in worship. Because Sunday school is where life change happens. Small groups are where life change happens. That's where you grow and become disciples is in those settings. That's what I want for you. But notice all of those things are actions. So if your identity is found in those actions, what then happens when you don't keep it? If your identity is found in being here every Sunday, then what happens when you miss? Are you worthless? If your identity is found in these actions, even though they are good, then what happens when the actions don't happen? Your identity has got to be something just a bit deeper. Okay, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to use a big word. We don't use big words in Bogachita. We can't count above 20 because we run out of fingers and toes at that point. It's a word called epistemology. Yeah, you think I can say that? Epistemology. Yeah, it's a big one. You never heard that one, have you? That's right. I Googled it. Epistemology is a concept of how do we know truth? How do, you, how, do you def, how do you define truth? Is truth something external that is revealed to you, that is taught to you? Or is truth something internal that you decide for yourself? Do, do you, is your epistemology one where you decide what's right and wrong, that you decide what truth is? Or is your epistemology something where you see from something external where truth comes from. We all, we all have an epistemology. We all in some way in our life define right from wrong. We all define truth from untruth. We all do. Every one of us has that. The question is not, do we make those judgments? The question is, how do we make those judgments? So what I'm saying to you is this. For us to know what our, what our identity is, we have to know who we are we have to know what we need to be doing because our identity cannot be found in actions. If your identity is found in something physical or something earthly, then you will lose your identity. If your identity is your job, what happens when you retire or get fired? What happens then? If your identity is found in your children's academic performance, what happens when they're, when they're grown-ups? Sometimes our identity can be, I, I had a lady in one of my churches whose identity was formed to the fact that she was terrified of cancer. She was terrified of getting cancer. And that was her motivating factor. So she could never be happy in life because she was always afraid she was going to get cancer. And she could never really live because fear motivated her all the time. That fear was her identity. For us to truly live and for what I want for you this year... It's not an accident. Do I want you in church every Sunday? Of course I do. Do I want you in Sunday school? Of course I do. Do I want you to give? Of course I do. And we're going to talk about those things because those things are important. But what I want for you above all else is to find your identity in Jesus Christ. To go back to where we started. 
to where saying your identity in Jesus is Jesus and Jesus isn't a joke, but it's a reality that Jesus Christ is our reality. He is our identity. He is our worth. He is our purpose. He is our all in all, that Jesus forms the core of who we are. But for Jesus to form the core of who we are, we've got to go back to what we started with epistemology. How do we know who we are? How do we know what is true? How do we know what is good? How do we know who God's called us to be? And that's where our scriptures this morning come into place. Because for me, scripture, as Kate said in our children's moment, is that truth. Scripture teaches us how to love, how to serve, how to give, how to be Christ-like. Scripture points us to those truths. So if we want to know who we are, and we don't know where our identity is found, we want to know who God's calling us to be, we have to start with Scripture. So we see two passages today that are important, that form two poles that our life is found in tension with. First, we see Genesis 1, where Scripture says that God made us in his image. He made humanity in his image. Friends, there's not a single person you'll ever meet, as long as you're breathing God's air, who is not made in God's image. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of humanity is made in God's image. Whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, whether they're right or wrong, Scripture's clear. Everyone who is breathing, everyone who is living, everyone who is here is made in God's image. They are. And you are. That's part of what your identity is. Your worth doesn't come from your job. Your worth doesn't come from your performance. Your worth doesn't come from what you do. Your worth doesn't come from your actions. Your worth comes from the fact that you are made in God's image. That's one pole. The other pole is Genesis 3. I didn't, we didn't read all of Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve fell into sin. By the way, real quick, okay, like, y'all, for a couple things with Genesis 3. First, just file this away. You're sitting in the garden, and a snake comes up to you and talks, starts talking, just run. <laughs> Don't talk to the snake. Don't invite him over for tea. Just run. And secondly, we bash at Eve for eating the apple. Okay, let's read the Bible. Adam was not exactly an icon of courage and virtue, was he? Hey, Adam, you want to eat this apple? Okay. <laughs> so, so we're, we're sometimes a little bit harder on Eve than we ought to be. We need to save a little bit of that for Adam. Because he was not exactly an icon of courageous leadership. He ate the, he ate, they ate the fruit. And what does Scripture tell us? That the earth was then deformed because of it. He said, you will now eat by the sweat of your brow. You will now suffer because of this. And we see when you read Genesis 3, you see the curses upon the snake and upon Eve and upon Adam. That their sin had an effect upon all of us. Upon creation and upon you and me. So guess what? One pole is you're made in God's image. But the other pole is you're sinful. And you need Jesus. I'm not saying you're the scum of the earth. I'm not saying you're the worst person to live. I'm saying you're human. And I'm saying that every human who's ever lived is broken. 
And every human who's ever lived is imperfect. And every human who's ever lived is in need of redemption and love and grace. Everyone needs grace. Everyone needs mercy. Everyone needs Jesus. And those are the poles of our existence. We exist between them. Our identity is found in that. We are broken and we are of divine worth. And by the way, we swing too far. Some of you this morning feel as though you have failed too often and you have done too much and you are beyond redemption and beyond salvation that you have failed and God can't love you. Hear the word of God. You are made in his image and he loves you more than you can imagine. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you are loved and you have worth. Don't ever let anybody tell you the difference. Listen to what the Bible says. But some of y'all think y'all perfect too. Some of y'all think y'all the best things of sliced bread. Listen to the word of God. No one's perfect. And we are all in need of salvation. And we are all broken. And you can lay down your pretenses. Why do I tell you that I struggle with being a people pleaser? And why do I admit my faults and my failures to you? Because I'm human. I have said things I should not have said. I have done things I should not have done. I have responded in ways that I should not have responded. And when you do, I'm going to give you grace. My prayer is that you will give me grace as well. Because what are we? What is our identity? We are a beautiful mess. We are beautiful that we're made in God's image. But we're a mess because we're broken. And so if our identity is found in our, in our own holiness or in our own mistakes, we'll never have peace. That's where our identity must be found in Jesus, in Jesus Christ alone. For he is our peace, and he is our grace, and he is our purpose, and he is our love. It's Jesus. Our identity can't be found in our jobs, or our wealth, or our status, or our family, or any of these things, or even our righteousness, or even in coming to church, even in giving, even in serving. But our identity must be found in Jesus. And then what happens is if our identity is in Jesus, then we come to church to be formed because our souls need the formation of worship. We come to Sunday school to be formed because our souls need the formation. We give to, to, to be formed. These things we do are not done to make God love us, but they're done as a response to God's love. And they're done through in the formation of them. We are formed and we are recreated and we are remade. Our actions don't define us. Our actions flow from who we are. Today, where is your identity? Where is your identity? What is it that motivates you? What is it that propels you? What is it that pushes you? May our identity be found in Christ, in Christ alone. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love in our life. Thank you for his grace. Thank you for his mercy, for his salvation. We love you.
We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today our closing invitation.